This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 25, Etiquette Elimination and Kneecapping. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Quiet now and nice and sit at your desks. Welcome to Space Cat's Cotillion, where we're going to teach you to be uh, for etiquette and manners and how to speak to your elders. And if you do not heed our requests, we will wrap your knuckles and give you a firm spanking. If you do not listen to our advice, we will find you. And we will kill you. Hi, I'm Matt Martins. Hello, I'm Hunter Donaldson, and and we are the headmasters of Space (laughs) Space Cat's Cotillion. This is a podcast exclusively about Twilight Imperium etiquette. It's never been about anything else. We don't even talk strategy here. We just talk (laughs) being nice, being good, and if you don't, you're going to get in trouble. And I see what you're doing, okay? Jeremy, you sit down. Jeremy, in your seat. Sit, Jeremy. You listen seated. You do not stand in the shower and listen to this podcast. It's not for that. Get out of the sh- Clean your body in silence and then listen in your bed under the covers or in your car on the way to work. Those are the only two ways we listen to Space Cat's Cotillion. <laughs> Hi. Uh, this is going to be a fun, weird episode today. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon's Galactic Council. Yeah, we had a vote. We had um, a vote this week about what episode people wanted to listen to, and today they voted on Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire School. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are doing an episode on etiquette in Twilight Imperium. Uh, mm. We're going to cover kind of a host of topics, but we want to talk about basically when you sit down with either a bunch of people you don't know or just the, your normal group. Like, what are some of the expectations um, for a game that's going to last? Four to twelve hours. Right. What, what what do you what should you expect out of a game that long, and how should you behave? Right. How should you act? Also, we're gonna um kind of tap on uh, discussions about elimination and kneecapping. Yep. Um, because we were th- thinking, you know, we're gonna talk about what it's like to be uh, a nice Twilight Imperium person. Right. Uh, maybe we should also talk about the meanest when it's, of the yeah. mean, the dirtiest <laughs> what it's of the like dirty to dark. Be a- Darkman. You kneecapper, you <laughs> sit down. <laughs> uh, but let's lead this off with what this episode is not about. And ah, yes. it is not... Um, Contrary to all the jokes we've been making. It is not about just like how to be a nice person to play board games with. We can't really cover like social 
behavior and like when to like get worked up and when like there's just lots of things where it's like there are general board gaming rules and there are general social interaction rules and we're not going to talk about that today because that's not what this is we and also we just kind of feel like you know like you come to us and you like you know or don't like or hate you (laughs) love or hate or maybe you don't even think anything about it (laughs) and you've listened to every episode and you're like i just have no opinion on what's (laughs) happening here and i don't even know what they're talking about that would be amazing 30 hours I'm just being like, what are these boys talking, talking about? about? What are they talking about? But no, so uh, we feel like uh, just us lecturing you on how to be like a yeah. nice regular human. Like that's not what that's. We're not the one stop shop for that. No. And we, you know, we're also very questionably. Uh, our more our morals absolutely. are disgusting. Absolutely. I mean, we are. I mean, murderers, and we run a Ponzi scheme, and. We Hunter's what revealing else do we a lot do? about We're, himself right now. Peddlers. And I just want to tell the police that are listening the, to this episode that I have no problem. Well, we actually do this problems. from a prison. Oh, so okay. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Don't tell the guard that I've been smuggling. Drugs. Hey guard. Uh, <laughs> sit down, guard. Um, He's so coming yeah. at us. <laughs> so speaking generally, just be a nice person and play games happy but we're going to talk about twilight imperium and we're going to talk about right the pitfalls of twilight imperium and what what happens specific twilight imperium etiquette basically as far as the being a human being thing like you know don't be a bunghole but besides that we don't really have we got no we're not going to preach to you there on that so let's let's dive into some of our first things hunter yes Uh uh-huh this is a long game Uh uh-huh it's a very long game Mm -hmm. and part I think of the etiquette of the game is finding ways to not be the player that holds up the game. And you're yes. a very vocal proponent of many methods yes. on how to be an efficient player. And even though like you should always try to be an efficient player, that's just how you're good at games, but especially in Twilight Imperium, the idea of someone stalling out the game because they, you know, take a long time to do any sort of action is especially bothersome because it can add hours to the length of a game so hunter let's hear hunter's tips and tricks for being a fast player <laughs> i got too cocky when we were planning the episode <laughs> about this i'm pinning this on i them. just like to play fast and yeah. efficient no it's and it's true and and most of these things are things a lot of us do but, but hunter is the most when we're playing a game hunter likes to point it out it drives me crazy that pe- not everyone does yes, this right. that's what it is right. it's like I, I, everything, everything I'm about to say is really obvious. Yes. It's just like some people don't do this. And like, if you don't, please, will you start before you play <laughs> with me? Um, first, first in a very basic way, have some idea what you're going to do on your turn before you do it. There yeah. is a lot of downtime in this dang old yep. game. And I cannot believe how many times it comes around to somebody's turn and they're like, oh, um, Hmm. I hadn't really thought about. There was, what I was a moment in our holiday special where Zach Armstrong got a great one-liner out there because yeah. it took Sean an entire round to decide he wanted to build one dreadnought. One dreadnought. He's one of our biggest offenders with this sort of problem. Oh, of he's like, very. He he just sits way. and he looks yeah. in the board, and then when it's his turn, oh, what do mm. I want to do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's just not really in the game until it's his turn, and right. then he, he so flashes be back and be existence. paying attention yeah. and be planning out your turn before it gets to your turn. Well, Hunter, what are some ways you can plan here's out your some, turn? Here's some pretty simple stuff you can do. Um, if you're going to be purchasing any units for the entire round, I'm not even talking about next turn. I'm no. saying I like to look at my tableau of planets at the beginning of a round and my strategy card, 
and if I'm going to be using any of those resources to purchase things, I go ahead and start setting them out. Yeah. Now you don't have to like be super direct. Like I'm gonna bu- I'm gonna use this planet and this trade good to build a dreadnought, and then you lay. I mean, I do that. I very do that directly. Too, a lot. Um, but you can. You might want to be more. You might want to be a little secretive about right, what you're going to buy. Course. You don't necessarily want to put that out there. Yeah. I do a lot of things where I like to set up like a fake one and then last minute change it because sure. I just know yeah. I'm going to do that. But in general, I, I do at the very least like divide my planets up. Like if I know I'm going to do tech, mm-hmm. I find my two planets that add up to four resources and I just kind of set them to the side so that I don't think about them. Because even without fr- from a strategic perspective – there are a lot of things that come up in a Twilight Imperium game where you're like, ooh, I could do that right now. Maybe I do want to do that. And you forget about the plan exactly. you set up. Oh my God, so not yeah. only is this speeding up your gameplay and just helping you be a faster player, separating out your planets is going to help you make less mistakes. So you should just do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, we, we were going to bring this up later, but I kind of want to bring this up now. Um, you need to make these plans when the new victory point right. is. That's kind of number one. Well, I, to me, the process goes like this. I sort of and I have, I have an idea before round one what I want to do with that round kind of as we're building the galaxy and as we're getting the game together. Yeah. I start kind of piecing those things together once we pick strategy cards or whatever. But then after that, it's all based on when the new VP is revealed. And basically, I try and disperse all of my resources with the plan that I'm getting yeah. that VP. And right. then whatever I have left over, I'm going to devote to, you know, whatever I feel right. like. Right. Um, another really good, easy thing to do is have a tech on deck um, column. Take all of your tech that you could research right. and separate that from the rest of the pile. I yeah. mean, this one's really obvious. But, like, sometimes people, I'll see them, they're, like, Sift looking through, through their, their whole, whole thing. Deck. You, you should have a little pile that has all of the tech that you could research next. This was a thing that we developed in ti3 because it was the tech completely tree, it was necessary, necessary. Yeah. you had yeah. to do it but it's still helpful in ti4 just have your little selection and maybe it's not every single thing that's on deck but definitely the things that you are planning on getting it you know sometime soon right the, the other thing is you can just keep notes um as as you play you know whether you want to keep notes on your phone or it's for some players it helps a lot to to write down like what you need to accomplish before the end of this round because again there's a lot to forget there's a lot that you could forget and keeping track of things helps you play more efficiently and helps you keep up with the the state of the game yeah i mean you can keep up with rate of play much easier if you're just kind of making small little notes about things that have happened i try and refer to notes uh in between rounds like during status phases and stuff like that as a good time to look at notes or even like type in ideas or whatever but here another place you can take this there's a lot of different um, groups that have different policies on like race, like choosing a race. Yeah. Um, if you play in a group where you know your race ahead of time, uh, maybe kind of Space Cats Peace Turtle style, <laughs> uh, come up with a first round strategy. Right. And just go ahead and already have an idea of what it is that you want to do. Right. Now, like, don't get too, you know, everything has to be about victory points. Don't get too stuck on your goofy little idea yeah. of getting Duranium Armor and Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It, yeah, have, it's, have good, an outline. it's good to have an idea going into the yeah. game of what it yeah. is that you want to do. Now, Matt, I want to ask you yeah. a question because we've been talking about some of my favorite things right here. I actually love all of the little like clues we just gave. All yeah. the little, like, those are great. Um, but... Um, I am not an analysis paralysis dude. That's right. not me. I'm not that guy. Yeah. But I do I know am. this guy named Matt Martins that I do a podcast with. Oh, wait, he's right here. Hello. Um, I am. I suffer from analysis paralysis. Uh, I am Matt Martins, and I have been Welcome a to Analysis of... Paralysis Anonymous. Anonymous. 
so yeah. Hello, there, Matt. Hello. There's nothing more upsetting than being at a table with someone who takes like five minutes to make a decision, and when they make the decision, it ends up being a fairly simple decision. Like build one dreadnought. Like build one dreadnought. <laughs> um, and because I tend to suffer with this, I've tried to be very adamant about like working against it. And I want to. There's like two big pieces of advice I have, and it's more about accountability than it is about like just knocking analysis paralysis out of your system because you're just you're not going to. That's how your brain is you're wired. wired. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how your brain works. And so you don't need to just completely try to change the way you play this game. Like you. For me, it's like I play Twilight Imperium because it's a lot of strategy, and I want to dig into it. But you got to keep a check on yourself. And so the two ways I do this is, first, before I know a decision is going to take me a long time to make, I let the table know. And this is to keep yourself accountable and also to make it clear to them. It, if you never say how long a decision is going to take for you to make, and you tend to take a lot of time, you get lots of groans every time it becomes your turn because nobody knows how long this one's going to take. Right, right. But if you can a lot of times get some turns done quickly, but when you come up to a turn where this one's going to take me a minute, say something. Say, hey, guys, sorry, I really – something crazy just happened on the board that really affects my decision. Yeah. Give me a minute. Right, right. And I, I want to really think about this. And I, I, I really like that you do this because to me it's like, oh, well, I'll go grab a beer or right. a kombucha you know, yeah, or yeah. a gin and tonic or, know... or a gin gimlet or <laughs> okay, a tequila okay. sunrise <laughs> or a tequila grapefruit. <laughs> You know, a vodka soda. Bartender you know? Hunter, always working the back. I got my wet bar <laughs> yeah. back in the back. Um, and the other thing that ties in with that is if you tell people this one's going to take me a minute, a lot of people like to run a timer in their games. Um, and it's not to say every single turn needs to take one minute or 30 seconds or whatever. But we, I, I like to play with the rule of there's this open-ended thing of when someone else thinks your turn is starting to take too long, they get to warn you. Hey, Matt, I'm, I'm putting you on a minute-long timer. Yeah. And two things etiquette-wise there is, A, as the person warning that person, try to understand that they're not intentionally slowing down the game for everyone. So do it right. nicely. Just say, right. hey, I hey, I just want to put a minute timer on you. This one's been taking a bit. And as the person receiving the timer, don't freak out on them. Like, they are just trying to get the game moving because they haven't gotten to do anything for a substantial amount of time. Um, for me, when I say, hey, this turn's going to take me a, a while... A nice thing to do is to say if if two minutes have gone by and I haven't seemed to make any sort of decision, put a timer on me and like request timers for yourself. Because I mean, part of Twilight Imperium is squeezing everything into one game and like making decisions on the fly, and you don't get to just math out every single turn. There's too many turns in a game. Mm -hmm. You need to move on with your life. So set timers. I think it is nice too if you feel like you suffer from analysis paralysis. It's kind of a hard one to say, yeah. actually. Um, it, to let people know early that they can time you, yeah. I think makes everybody feel kind of safe. But I think on the it's tricky. It's it's it an is. etiquette thing because yeah. I think on the other side too, like you know, just because someone takes a long time to make decisions doesn't mean you should just throw the timer yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. Like, as soon as Don't possible. do it every time. Like recognize when they have a difficult decision to make. But if it's just like nothing crazy has happened, it's the first round of, or it's like the second round, first turn, the second round. 
and they're taking five minutes, yeah, that that's a bit ridiculous. But if it's like round seven and you just took their home system, they probably need to think about it for a minute. Yeah. So yeah. like, be have some wiggle room there. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So what what do we want? To, what do we want to do? Do we want to go in the back maybe and talk about the next thing? We I think gonna, we need to go back. I think we're gonna go. Because sorry guys, if you guys could wait and keep listening, we're gonna go have a secret conversation and then we're gonna be back. I, it should only take us about two hours. So. That was our beautiful introduction to our next segment, which is on backdoor politics. Yeah, and talking, having secret conversations. Secret conversations are a huge part of the game for Hunter and I. It's part of why we started playing Twilight Imperium. But yep. we've discovered that a lot of players don't really like backdoor politics. We talked about this in our House Rules episode, uh, but we should talk about maybe what some of the etiquette to having backdoor politics are. These are some things we've maybe mentioned in the past, but they're worth reiterating. Yeah, we're putting them here. Uh, I think it should be limited to, it should be a between rounds kind of thing. A a status phase, like post-agenda phase or pre-agenda phase kind of deal right. i think it's that's the calm really... before the next storm right you it's just like finished... you see some stuff yeah. that you got to think about for next round and you need to talk to so and so about it and i mean i i would never want to play in a group that never did secret conversations right. i understand why some groups are like we don't like that because it slows down exactly. an already long game and so the thing with that is that's why you relegate it to one time and you need to accept that you can't have a secret... Everyone can't have a secret conversation with everyone. That's yeah. just too many things. If you need like, to talk to four other players secretly, that's... You can't... No. Do, that's not how it works. Right. You don't get you, to do You have that. secret conversations with, like, at most two other players because right. you're either devising a plan or you need to work out a negotiation with someone who's been messing with you. Right. And that's about it. Beyond that, like, a lot of things can be done table talk. Also, to speed things up, some people don't like cell phones at tables, and I get that, but... It can be incredibly helpful if everyone's got their cell phones and you can text your all your backdoor politics under the table. Right, right. And that you never have to go into another room that way. If everyone's just is having these dirty little text conversations, that's not the same thing. Um, dirty little text conversations. What is that? Can you send me something so I know <laughs> what you're talking about? Here, I have a picture I could send you. Uh-oh, I think so this might. Hunter, no. <laughs> so the uh, the only other thing too is sometimes conversations do have to happen during the action phase, and you should just try to limit those. But like the table should be aware of like like we said with the analysis paralysis point, when a huge play gets made, sometimes there's that moment of um, I need okay, to talk to Hunter, you. we need to talk and right let's go do that. So, yeah, I, I think there are ways to keep it in check. Um, as a group, if you wanted to put a timer on backdoor politics, too, you could easily do that. The status phase, there are five minutes. Mm-hmm. Everyone has allotted. Go into whatever rooms you need to, but we all have five minutes until we jump into I, the next round. I want to make a real quick uh, point about my favorite thing about backdoor politics is I feel like my rate at which I do secret conversations is role-played tightly into what race <laughs> yeah I'm absolutely if i'm playing if you're playing a game with me and i'm i'm hakan i'm gonna be talking a lot yeah and right, there's gonna be right. a lot of discussions with other people if i like i played necro pretty recently arborek pretty recently i didn't have anything yeah. to say to anyone when i played arborek <laughs> i remember you being like hunter let's go talk and i was just like i don't have anything to yeah, say to you i'm doing like, what i'm doing i'm gonna snowball and then I'm going to try to win the I'm game. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like a mindless plant yeah. entity. Like, there's no one to talk to here. Like, <laughs> there's no one on the intercom. And I'm not saying you should role play like that. I just mean, like, I feel like for me, secret conversations have been, they don't always occur at the same rate. There for are me. different strategies that require secret conversations, right. and there are strategies that do not require any secret yes. conversations. Yes. 
So, uh, the last big etiquette thing we want to talk about before we get into some of the, like, really meaty stuff of this episode is an interesting thing that was more prevalent in TI3 um, yeah. with some objectives that were aggressive. Aggressive in, like, contact. Yeah, heavy, but they were public, kinda... so everyone could see them happening. The, the, the way they streamlined this in TI4 is they made aggressive objectives secret, and so this helps the game. But there is sort of this weird issue Hunter and I have with... When two players look at each other and go, hey, I, I have the objective where I need to put a ship adjacent to a home system. Is it cool if you uh, leave that empty and I just park that there and then you can do an objective that you need over in my space? That is so dirty to us. Yeah. And, and it's a weird thing because it's hard to say if that is truly like a is, if that, is that bad etiquette or is that just bad play? I mean, I think personally that it's both yeah. because like you're kind of changing the landscape for all the people that like aren't willing to go that dirty right like i think it's i think it's inconsiderate at at yeah at at least right it's at least inconsiderate and in ti4 this is made even more prevalent with support for the throne now when two people okay what Uh we're breaking it up we're so Trading support for the throne for support for the throne. I'm not gonna come at. I still don't like it. Don't get comfy, okay? <laughs> don't get comfy. But I don't look down on it as hard as someone literally allowing someone to score a VP. And this is why the support trading support for the thrones at least seems to be supported by the fiction of the game. Yeah, I still think it's almost like this: when you give someone a public objective for free, um, like that. I literally am like, the fiction of this game yeah. cannot support the idea that you're right, doing. Right. Now, I'm going to let support... you blockade my space dock. What? Why? I don't right. understand. Who... So it's yeah. Hunter, the player, who doesn't like that, who's looking at that play being like, I'm not into this, and I think this isn't Twilight Imperium. Yeah. Now, when you trade support for the thrones... Hakan that Hunter's <laughs> playing says this is bad politics and this will not. Right. I, good day, sir. <laughs> That's, so, like... I, I, I'll say this. I don't think trading support for the thrones is bad etiquette. I think it's yeah. bad play. Whereas yeah. I think giving up free public objectives like that or free secret objectives yes. is actually what it's it is much most dirtier. of the time, is bad etiquette and bad play. Yeah. Because especially with support for the thrones, you have like that extra effect of they can't attack you without losing the point. So it is, it is sort of a strategic... I mean, I know I have traded away support for the thrones mm-hmm. because... Now I want to get in your way and force you to have to de- make the debate with yourself of do I keep this point or do I get Matt out of my way? Right. And when you both trade support for the thrones, you've you've not just traded victory points. You've traded a really interesting dilemma to each other. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into some meteor discussions. There's there's some big topics that we want to cover, and the first one is player elimination in mm-hmm. Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition. And the first thing we want to do is we want to define what that really really means because there's there's elimination, and then there's, like, functional elimination. Like, being functionally eliminated. Having no more chance to win. And those right. are two different things. Right. So, actual elimination is a very difficult thing to accomplish. Because you have to have no ground forces on the game board. Not in carriers, not on planets, nowhere. You have to have no units that have production. So, no space docks. 
no arborec ground forces soul being able to to drop ground well, orbital drop. ground forces though so that would be number one but if you if you don't have the if there's a moment in time where you don't have the ground forces you don't have a unit yeah. with production and you don't control any planets you're out yeah so soul right, would be the right. only one who feasibly like oh but i could still orbital drop no you're already out we you're right. done it's you too got late. eliminated it's too late. but i will admit that it does that, that in bringing up this point it seems like it'll eliminating never, soul seems like really almost hard impossible, to me yeah, actually yeah but and in general eliminating is very 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 difficult and so we want to talk about a lot of people ask the question of like is it okay to eliminate another player? We're going to play this game for a long time. Mm-hmm. What if someone gets eliminated in hour two? Isn't that just so disgusting? Isn't that? And I mean, if they get truly eliminated, yeah. then, I mean, I'm kind of whatever. Like, I mean, if for some reason you happen into a situation where you're like, I can completely decimate this player and win the game, can you tell me what that is? Like, yeah, can you right? tell me, can you show me that scenario? Yeah. I'm not saying it's not out there and that hasn't happened. I'm sure right. someone will send us a a email right, saying a hey here's what i did and here's how i did it right. and i got rid of timmy and timmy's gone now <laughs> and timmy he doesn't we never play with him anymore we erased he, him from the universe he's done he's done you know i'm, I'm sure it exists but I, I just don't know where the it is. problem with elimination is the person who is trying to eliminate it costs you a lot there are many things that it costs you to try to eliminate someone there are lots of places you're going to have to target Right. In order to eliminate. So it costs you command, command counters. counters. It costs you all the units it takes to have these fights. Yeah. It takes the time it takes to have these fights. And it takes, if you're not immediately scoring VPs for this elimination, which you're not. Yeah. Uh, then you're sacrificing the opportunity cost of getting VPs. Like, th- there's almost no reason to eliminate a player unless... What's the case? What's the big case? There is one case. And it is... To if that, win. If they're going to win the to game. To force them to not win. Right. And that is amazingly fun. And, like, some of the coolest moments in games is when everyone realizes, if we don't stop Timmy now, right. we won't ever stop them. So it's time to eliminate Timmy. Right. And you hand Timmy his keys, and you're like, you, you, you better get, get out. You better get used to having these in your hand, because <laughs> you're about to be igniting the ignition of your car engine and driving away. So it costs a lot. And I think the place that you see it most often, uh, besides it being like, oh, so-and-so is going to win, I think most people's interactions with it, to get really specific all of a sudden, is against a SAR player. Like, SAR, I think, is the SAR is always on the brink of elimination. I have seen SAR now almost eliminated from the game three times. Right. (laughs) That is, that's a lot. That's how they play the game. Right. They play the game on the edge, especially the new SAR. Right. Like, I don't remember old SAR quite being like this, but now that SAR can so efficiently just like, all right, I'm going to just score as many points as possible, they get ahead, and then all of a sudden everybody's like, well, let's just eliminate right now. Yeah. Let's destroy the SAR ball. Um, I will say it's rare for elimination conversations to even come up that early, but they do. And I think a big etiquette thing to bring up here is if you are in line to destroy someone, if you're going to completely eliminate them from the game, let's say you're Barony Aletnev and your neighbor was Jolnar and you Mm -hmm. decided to just get the jump on him Mm -hmm. and it works out really well for you and they didn't play especially well against it and now... It only takes one more action to eliminate them from the game. Well, you need to have a discussion with them about that. Because what you are now deciding is the fate of the rest of their afternoon. Right. 
Uh, you've already sort of decided that, and that's another conversation we'll have, but I think it is the Eliminator's job to allow the Eliminated to know that that's about to happen to them. Right. You need You should tell them, because there's nothing worse than, like, getting hit really, really hard and being like, man, I could get eliminated, but why would they do that? And then they do it, and you're like, what, what the heck? I don't... Now I don't get to just... I just don't get to play this game with you guys. Right. I think it is m- more polite and, and better etiquette and better cotillion to maybe have a backdoor conversation with them and say, I... I, there's there's still another objective that you're in my way of or whatever and my plan is to eliminate you is like i don't i don't know that there's even like a conversation there beyond like are you asking hey is it is it cool or like hey do you see a way you can bounce back i feel like there's just some negotiation you should have to just blindly eliminate someone is pretty dirty in my book yeah i think really like to maybe make it a little less specific i think what i would say in this situation is like if you're going to go through the trouble of eliminating someone all the way yeah it just might be fair to to do it in a way that's like you know it's i i i've come this far and just have be be a little bit merciful about it you know what i mean like I, I've come this far, and I'm in, a, and I'm going to just completely get rid of you because I don't want to worry about you anymore. Right. And I just want you to know that. But right. now we're not recommending that if you're going to eliminate, like if you round one, you look at your opponent. Yeah, and no. say, I'm going to eliminate you. Like that's kind of giving <laughs> your it away. Days are numbered. I just, I think we just both mean in those situations where you've just really decimated someone, and you are going to go all the way. Why not just let them know? Yeah. So that yeah. like if. Because because th- they're probably trying to plan some way to like hang on right. if they want to if they still want to win or if they maybe even they're have a assuming of in my book they're assuming you're gonna leave them alone now you've crippled them but it's right. like okay now what are you gonna gain now I can start to plan my rebuild and then if you pull that out from under them as well it's just it's a really dirty feeling yeah. Um, I, I would s- also like a story where you needed to go this far. Yeah, as well. yeah. I just we don't know, get many like, elimination stories, and yeah. I would love to hear more. Um, I will say the the areas I do see elimination being a thing that maybe shouldn't be complained about too much is like in a tournament setting, which there's not very many tournaments. But like, if someone eliminated someone at the Gen Con tournament, Hunter That's and I so are going to cool. play that That's up. Really That's going to be cool. awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like that. We're we're not playing a casual fun game with our friends. Someone's in it to really you know destroy it and the other circumstance then is like the problem for most people is they don't play twilight imperium that often and if you're going to cut them out of the game halfway through and it's the first game they've gotten to play in six months that's pretty sad but if you're someone like blark knob who runs the gen con tournament and plays once a week they don't care if one of their players gets eliminated they're going to play next week it's not a big deal and we totally get that perspective on it but like there is a difference between someone who plays twilight imperium on the reg and someone who like it is a huge event for them to get to play it and to get eliminated is just pretty catastrophic emotionally yeah. oh yeah yeah it, it's it can feel i mean i've never been eliminated no so I i've never know. seen I mean, a player I, eliminated in yeah a game. actually I've, no. I've never seen i've seen I've seen I was it get close. close so many times. Right, so yeah. my game is sorry. I was like yeah, actually, one wanna, action we, away. Like, we've talked about that before on the podcast, but you kind of want to talk about that at all. I don't right know now? if I remember enough about the exact details oh, of point. it, but I do remember loving it. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I it was, was thrilled really, was by the really fact cool. that I could still see my chances of success and know that it was teetering on the line of I will either succeed or be completely eliminated and there is no middle ground. Yeah. Well, and, and you guys should check out the SAR episode if you have not heard that yet because it has I'm some sure some details it has a, about that. Yeah, yeah some details I of that so. story um of Matt basically winning a game um on the brink of yeah. elimination. It was, it was fun. so great. Um so, what do you do if you're 
going to be eliminated. And this is partly a strategic discussion, and this is also partly a, like, how do you handle that problem at the table? Do you, I mean, do you do you scream about it and, like, make everyone know how mad you are? Dude, I think it would be amazing to be eliminated from a game. Of <laughs> like, honestly, like, I, I it's never happened to me, no. but, like, I do kind of want it. Like, There's, on that level, it's like, dude, I played this game so hard, someone completely deletedly exactly. I deleted don't, me I, from the board. I don't that think, didn't even, whoa. I, I don't think there's that many circumstances where someone gets eliminated just, like, second round or whatever. I just don't mm-hmm. think that's something that needs to happen or is smart for other people to do. But people will get eliminated in the very late game. And, yeah, I agree. If I if the only way to deal with me is to eliminate me, that's a successful game in my book. I'm, yeah. I'm down to play that. If you can eliminate someone round round two and not overextend yourself and win the game still, send us that. Yeah, like, send us that show, story, show us some pictures. Ridiculous. Like, we want to know. We, because that's just not, with the economy of the game, yeah. we can't find how that makes sense, yeah. basically. right. Um, but so yeah, you're being eliminated. You're you're losing. What are some strategic things we can say to uh, what? What can you do if you're being eliminated? Well, you're a victim, and you need to make it known that you are being victimized, and you need to get other people on your side. And there's there's one big thing. If you're being eliminated, especially if you're being eliminated by one single player, that one single player is going to gain a lot out of that. And you need to make it known, guys. If you let the barony eliminate me right now, they're gonna run away with it. Like, what what else is gonna happen? See, I think the, so. There's that tactic, and I actually feel like that one gets used a lot. But I don't. I think what's more effective mm-hmm. is to basically be like, well, I'm in a tough spot right now, mm-hmm. and I will make some yep. deals. It's time I think to that's get the, more... the support for the throne out. It's time to get everything you got out and and make some crazy deals i think a lot of times when players tell me when players are being like hurt that hard and they're telling me like oh so and so is gonna they're they're about to eliminate me mm-hmm. and then they're gonna win the game i think considering everything we just said a lot of times in my head i'm like oh i don't really think that at all and in fact i think they're making a huge mistake yeah, over committing to this war and I'm, I'm sure in most of those games where i've heard someone say that i'll be like nah i'm gonna win before they do right. you know what i mean like that's i would my thought i would be happy to capitalize off of the situation the two of you have put each other in exactly. in whatever way i can exactly <laughs> so if you make the play be like hey i'm mua and i'm losing who wants war son right. for free attack him here and you get it right. my friend right like that is a really strong much stronger argument for Absolutely. getting you back in the game make some deals that's why you have the promissory notes that you have exactly like that's exactly. that's the whole reason for that yeah. and in fact this is another argument for Maybe promissory notes like be a little bit careful right. with how much you give them out because you're gonna I need them. They're rainy day yeah. things. Like yeah. they're for when the game starts going poorly for you to exactly. get you back in the game. Exactly. Yeah. Um. The the other thing in this discussion is something I notice a lot, and it's it's kind of one of my pet peeves with TI is when people count themselves out. Something they they get the bad end of one fight, and mm-hmm. they immediately start saying, "Well, my game's over. It's not, it's done. I, I'm there's no way I'm gonna win now. Whatever. It's done." Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that that really wears on my nerves. Hunter loves to do it, but Hunter loves to do it because he's trying to shape the opinions of the board and like paint himself as now a wild card so that people give him wiggle room for him to achieve new objectives. I like people to think that I'm down and out if I can if I can paint yeah. the if I can make the story look that way. Right. It's it's a good. But stop. Hey, it still don't drives give away me crazy. My meta. Yeah. Right. In this <laughs> podcast, that's not cool. Even still, though, if you're if the the biggest piece of advice I have in this is if you got hit really hard, don't assume that you're out of it. 
because yeah. someone could come in and bail you out and like there's still a lot of game left and there's a lot of other things that can happen you are never out of it if that one game of sar i had was any story about it is like i really did there was a moment where i was like oh I, it looks like i'm done and then i survived the round and then i you know the next objective came out and i went oh no i i could still do this and and you need to always be keeping an eye out for those opportunities and don't just start whinging about how you're completely screwed and the game's over and just like huff back and sit in your chair and and scowl for the next two hours okay um sorry i just felt like a lot of that was directed right at me um, and you know i don't think i really play like that too much anymore um but that yeah that was wow i am just hurt pretty pretty bad pretty badly hurt pretty i'm hurt over here just never give up man you know never I, give I, up I, I will say this as long as you're like being eliminated or almost eliminated well actually being eliminated obviously you did lose but if you feel like you're being like really if you're being hit really really hard as long as you've got the vps there's always yep. a chance yep. like that that's that's kind of where i say like if yeah, there there are times when you can check out in a game if like you've got two VPs, we're like almost at the end of it, yeah. and like you don't have anything left for some reason. Generally, that doesn't happen. If you're behind in VPs, people aren't like we said earlier. Elimination is generally something that comes up to prevent a player right. from winning because they're such they're so far in the lead. Yeah. And yeah, so just you know, hang in there, buddy. Hang in there. You know, it's don't get a case of the Mondays. <laughs> and this uh, this conversation kind of blends really nicely into the other big topic, which is kneecapping and we've used this term a lot in the podcast before mm. and i think we haven't been entirely consistent about what we think of as kneecapping so hunter let's let's give a nice definition for going forward what we what we want kneecapping to be defined as well i think kneecapping is it's an early game thing first of all okay. like so we were just talking about elimination and i think elimination and kneecapping are really similar except for kneecapping is basically just not necessarily about shutting someone uh, out of the game completely but about setting them back yeah in an early way so that they are not a threat later on right to me that's essential it's the idea of the the kneecapper is like i want to ruin your early or mid game right so that i don't have to worry about right. you later you do not kneecap someone who is sitting at nine points that's not kneecapping no that's just you're playing for the end of the game right like, and for you to call that kneecapping it's like there's no now kneecapping almost doesn't mean anything. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Um, so for us, it's going to be, yeah, like a first three rounds sort of thing of the, the biggest thing is who, who are you kneecapping? When does it make sense to kneecap somebody? I think the only time it really makes sense is when you have a good player playing a good race that got a good start. Right. Now, your obvious, like your opinion on what makes a good race and bad race, I mean, we're not going to try and define that right now. Sure. I just mean it's like you got somebody that you're like, this person is skilled. They know how to play their race. I know they know how to play mm -hmm. this race. And last time they ran away with it. And I, they're looking like they're running away with it right, right now. Right, yeah. It's like they just it's, had a great round one. It's just feeling like, wow, they are, you know, like it's Hunter playing Arborek or Hunter playing Necro okay. or like Hunter All playing Soul right. or okay. Hunter playing Hakan or Hunter playing L1Z1 right. or Hunter playing We're like done. Winu. How did he do that? <laughs> like, you know, like if you have Hunter playing a race. You got to kneecap him. You gotta. I mean, like. <laughs> What am I saying? <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the big thing uh, and the way to kind of like further define this is kneecapping is striking at someone 
to remove their position and it's sometimes it's to just straight up you can see what victory point they're going for and it's like i'm running blocker on this one and it's i'm maybe not getting a point out of it but i gotta stop you from taking any more leads but more importantly it's like ooh, you left that a little bit too undefended and you've got a big lead it's time to knock you down a peg yeah i mean i i think it it all comes down to like I think generally kneecapping is a pretty big play. I don't see it as something no. that you can do very easily. Right. I think it's something where you're you commit, you know, like something that's going to do a lot of heavy damage yep. and it's going to slow your opponent down. I mean, yeah. I think like with with certain races that people try and kneecap a lot, it's I think more difficult than people make it sound. Like right. if you try and kneecap Jolnar, I mean, I think what how do you do that besides just completely obliterate their right. fleet or like take up a lot of space in their home slice yeah. and literally not give them any room to maneuver right um which might be good yeah. uh but the big problem is that you're that you're sort of pointing out is the fact that like similar i mean it's the same conversation as elimination but it it's, costs a it lot. costs it's, a lot it's to a do this cost. and so if you are planning to start kneecapping someone because you see them running away with it you need to have a co-conspirator it's yeah. really yeah. important for you to not be doing this solo because if you try to take them out solo you're not going to gain anything from it. It's going to cost you. It's just going to be that classic shifting where exactly. one person attacked their neighbor, and now their neighbor can can take their. Right. You, it, you just kind of like shift the map around. Right. Like so, there's two key people you need to try to conspire with, and that's your, your other neighbor. neighbor yeah. And that's to say, hey, don't you know? Pl- please don't carve up the rest of my stuff. I'm trying to do the board state a favor, and I would appreciate being left alone a little bit mm-hmm. while I try to reclaim the rest of my or price. And, and maybe you got to negotiate something with right. them to make that Absolutely. work. Absolutely. Or negotiate with their other neighbor, the mm-hmm. person you're going to kneecap and say, hey, this will cost both of us a lot less if we do a little minor pincer move on them. And that'll, you know, I have to do one small attack. You do one small attack. Neither of us lose very much, but they lose twice as much as we lose. Right. And it, and it kind of costs most of us nothing. Th- those, those are the ways you need to be doing kneecapping. If you're just striking out by yourself, you're wasting your own time. Yeah. Also, and a really big factor to this is kneecapping should be giving you room to win the game yeah if you kneecapped someone and you didn't win what i mean like why did you why did you do that right yeah like what's what was the point like did you waste too much resources doing that right so like kneecapping should be something that goes along i think with either a secret that you have or it's just they're encroaching on your territory, and the only way to save yourself is to hurt them very badly so that you have your room to accomplish what you need to accomplish, right? right. If Arborek is really growing into your space, you might need to take drastic measures and eliminate like a major force so that they have to pull back, and right. now you have room to do the rest so of the So that they're not to going to snowball, basically. Right. If they're your neighbor, yeah. Is, I, I think this is a big play for me against yeah. Arborek. If I'm right. adjacent to an Arborek, I will look for an opportunity to lash out in an early fleet because I know taking out something early is going to hurt them a lot more three rounds from now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, I think the reason we made uh, the point we were just making about like, you know, it, it it needs to be worthwhile is because we see a lot of people online that where it feels like not to just like basically criticize a bunch of random people on no, the internet, right. but... I feel like sometimes people get a little distracted by kneecapping. Yeah. The idea of kneecapping sometimes distracts people from, I think, what is more important uh, as far as, like, your level of play, and it is 
I mean, it is making the victory points and all of these things yeah. kind of sing together. Right. So, now, like, the I think the reason we bring that up, too, is there are certain races, I mm-hmm. think, that we want to recommend right now as races where it feels like they can afford more so than others to kneecap. Like, and, it doesn't cost them right. as And much. not only they can afford to, but they have tools that make them better at kneecapping, which means that's your bargaining chip. Right. The way you win the game is by getting things in return for kneecapping other players. Yeah. You yeah. are the bully at the table, and you need to be paid to bully. You shouldn't just bully. It doesn't do you anything if you're... Even if it's less cost than other people, it's still a cost to you mm-hmm. to kneecap someone. But because it's cheaper for you, you can say, hey... I can get these guys out of the way as long as you make it worth my while. Right. So, who are those races? There's one big one that everybody loves to talk about. And, what? whoa, I just want to, wow, it actually just blew my mind because we're talking about, we're about to do something that I didn't know we would ever do, which is that we're going to say, like, a, like we have a list of races, and we're like, well, the best one at this is... The Yin the Brotherhood. Brotherhood. <coughs> oh, oh, man. I'm sorry, Matt. Oh, that has hurts. To, He's, he puked a little bit. Oh. He puked in the... Oh. We have a yin bucket, actually, in the corner Man. for Matt if he ever needs to puke there, and he just oh. did it. Yeah. I really just Jada Paked all over the Yeah, place. he Jada Paked everywhere. Man. We have this picture of... Uh, I don't know if it's Jada Paked, actually, but it's just some guy, and we've decided that's Jada Paked, and <laughs> it's just right above the, the yin bucket where you go yin. When you really got to... Yeah, it's a, it's, he uses devotion in the bucket, and it's... <laughs> It's a big pew. He gets actually to destroy one bucket every time. He <laughs> but chooses. Yeah, that's that is that is a strength of the yin is if you need to, you can send destroyers or something, and you need to make sure you get paid more in return for the destroyers you now spend. Now we yeah, and see that's that's, that's the, the thing. Key. That's the thing, and we we've made that argument a lot about the yin uh, in the past that it all has to do with what are you getting right. in return for this. Now that you know. I just think that yin probably has more wiggle room when it comes to kneecapping, but that doesn't mean that y- the yin is a kneecap race right. or that like no. that's what they should. That's focus not your on only every thing. Game. No, that's. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, it isn't your only thing. Again, we'll find out. No, you know? <laughs> right? It is one of your bargaining chips. Um, and other races that can do this, the Yasaral tribes. Just, I think they are actually the secret best. Thing. Yeah, like, right. I kind of want to put that out there. You like, have all the these secret the, tools, right? Like, like you have. The skip, like the ability to skip mm-hmm. until you know somebody can't do anything to respond to right. you. You have God knows what action cards right. you got that allow you to do what. I just feel like the yin or the sorry the sorrel can get away with pulling off a cute little right. recap maneuver, and it won't cost them very much. And it won't cost them right. very much. Um, a couple other ones just to like lightly mention. They're not as big of a deal, but like the ghosts of Creus. This is a big one just that because mobility. anybody who's mobile has yeah. kind of the opportunity to do these things to be able to strike out at a weak force you might have a chance to be able to do some kneecapping the i would say that one is a little more dependent on like what's the timing yes because i absolutely. feel like other races kind of start to ghosts, match the ghosts ghosts shouldn't focus on this ever no. but you should look for opportunities yeah uh the barony Letnev, like we talked about last week you always have the option of like really just digging into somebody else's area yeah and you, it can you get you a got, lot you've got that home system that yeah. can like hey you know what i'm just gonna start spending these resources on taking care of this guy right now uh i don't know what that does in your long term right that <laughs> makes there. you an enemy uh, and the other one the other enemy is the mentac i mean the 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 fact that they can ambush and and knock things out really See, easily i like is a this big power. one too yeah. I, like i think my two favorites that we just talked about is the sorrel and mentac because to me 
they're the ones that have the, the highest likelihood of getting away with it. Yeah. As far as like being able to survive. Mentax got all those weird ways, you know, they can they're skimming off the top, taking trade right. goods and certain play groups. They're like position they're already positioning themselves in ways that give them opportunities to lash mm-hmm. out. And also once you get mirror computing, it doesn't cost very much to get me to want to kneecap someone. Right. And if you have cruiser two, cruisers like as a unit that you're going to sacrifice on like, oh, I'm going to hit you here because you didn't see I could get there. Right. Uh, it's, th- I think they're probably the best the unit to like dog. risk. Yeah, like definitely. it's like, it's worth the risk. Yeah, I feel like. Absolutely. And, and with Mentac, it's not much of a risk because you get pre-fire. Mm-hmm. So you might be totally fine. Right. Who is often mentioned as races that are also good at kneecapping that this is a red herring. This is this is not the path you need to go. I want to stress one one thing before we say who it is. Um, I, again, I think any race could devote their resources sure. entirely to kneecapping and do it. I think any race right. could. Now we're talking the three that we're about to name are three that I think people think about kneecapping a lot with them, mm-hmm. but I think the cost is too high. Yes. Muat number one with yes. a bullet point, in my opinion. <laughs> you have that war sun, and it's been said so many times. This is always the phrase with Muat: all your eggs are in that one yeah. basket. So if you want to risk your whole basket, right, to kneecap, I don't think that's good play. Yeah, you're I not gotta gonna, be you're honest. You're not going to gain enough out of it. The other one is the Sardak Nor, like we yeah. talked about in our Sardak episode. You just don't have the room. You don't you have don't, the time. You you, you need you. you Unless don't you're have getting the paid a lot to do it, right? You don't have the time. Unless you're yeah. If you're like if you finally like worked out some sort of mercenary situation. Yeah. If with the somebody. Emirates of Akan are just like, I don't want to worry about these people that are between us anymore. Let's <sighs> let's collapse in on them, and I will pay you to do it. I don't think that would work, but that would be so. It cool. would be great. That be would beautiful. be really really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, the other one is kind of for similar reasons, but a little a little less so. The Necro. That I think people mess this up with the Necro. The Necro have a, a very good reason to be aggressive. Yeah. But kneecapping is a really big commitment. More, yeah, more. Commitment. And honestly, Necro, like you, yeah, you you have some space battles, obviously, to uh, to get some some tech yeah um but i think it's with with necro it's smarter to choose your battles a little more, like very um particularly yes. so that you're getting a tech and like right. the idea of kneecapping it's, i don't I think it don't works see with the them. resources no. that you have to do it no right? i don't think it's worth your time you can make you can take bigger leads by doing many other things yeah um so what what about if you're the one being kneecapped yeah what first what off first off let's establish something if you are getting kneecapped, nine times out of ten, you deserve it. Right. You're probably you're probably you're either winning or you're just really good at the game and people yes. have a lot of respect for your play. Right. And so you need to from It's a, a compliment. It's really. a compliment. <laughs> it is. But and, and and from an etiquette perspective, again, to to bring it back to that topic, don't get really, really bent out of shape if someone cuts your game down a peg. If you were having a great game, you should expect to be targeted. Right. And you should expect, if, if your first round goes flawlessly right. and you are a clear at a, at a clear advantage, you're going to get kneecapped. Like, right. it's just going to happen, and you happen. need to accept that. If you're SAR and you're at five victory points yeah. and everybody else has, like, two and, like, a stick. Guess like, what? <laughs> guess what, SAR? Guess what's going to happen? Yeah. So a big thing within that is uh, two things. One... If you're really hoping to, to get out of this and be okay, you need to, again, play the meta. Convince the table that you're not the person that needs to be kneecapped. Now, if you took a huge lead, it's not going to work. 
you're you're gonna you're the clear target. Right. But if it's you know you have a one point advantage, you need to really start making your case about why this is a wasted effort on their part, and the other board needs to back the rest of the board needs to back you up. And more importantly, now you need to start making some deals. Yeah. If you don't want to lose your whole board position, it's time to consider who need, who who gets to get your support for the throne. Yeah, it's similar to what we were saying in elim- the elimination yeah. part of the episode in that, you know, and just in general, if you're behind, make deals. Like, yep. that's how you stay in it. Um, something Matt sort of already touched on a little bit before is that you can always... I, I feel like you can see a kneecap coming most oh, yeah. of the time. Definitely. So, like, being ready to be basically being ready to get hit that way and positioning your units in such a way as to like not putting all the eggs in one basket basically not being right right playing leave the things open that you're okay with losing and defend what you need take preventative measures that's all it comes down to be proactive and if you know you're going to get a lead set up the plan for how you're going to then defend yourself if you're sar start building the other ball the thing about the sar ball is that it the problem with it is that if you're playing against, there's a lot of different races that you can play against that might be able to burst it. And if they burst it, then you lost. And right. that's it. The, exactly. All you had to do was go to that one place to do it. Yeah. Whew. That's a lot. So there's one other topic in this that is worth bringing up. But when we were prepping the episode, it very quickly became evident that it it's a whole other beast in its own. So we want to go ahead and say, the, the other thing of... Um, a big etiquette question is king making and mm. what it means to king make and, and just the timing support for the throne in general right support for the throne in general um, so that's something we want to save for a later episode it's yeah. a huge topic and we want to have like a round table discussion hunter and i were trying to plan this episode and every point we tried to make about king making we just couldn't even come to an agreement we were on undoing it. each other's points yeah. and like it we can't so we, instead, we don't agree basically right so instead we want to eventually we want to have that conversation in front of you all we're just yes. going to we're just going to hammer it out and figure out how we each individually I get a guess feel for it too because yeah. i think people i think this is a part of twilight imperium that people have a lot of different yes. viewpoints on right i mean like i've seen people that viciously hate king making yep. whereas i almost have this like i'm not even sure that it happens that you know right, what i mean like yeah i almost like don't even see it because i'm so focused on my own game. right right so look forward to that in somewhat near future it's something we'll try maybe to next do. week maybe like, next I, week I, who knows we'll i would s- like to throw in somebody else like like alex or somebody yeah to uh to have this discussion right. with us just to open it up too so i mean also if you guys out there listening want to throw in Contribute, some of your opinions. Please, please, yeah, do, please, please. Give us a little, I guess we we call it pre-errata, yeah. which is when somebody <laughs> just sends us feedback on an idea yeah. um, already, which is right. kind of silly because we're just we're assuming that whatever they're saying, we were gonna, going to mess a, up. It's a response to something <laughs> yeah. we were going to mess up had they not said it. Right. But that's us, you know? Yeah. That's us. So, so be thinking about kingmaking. And so to say, what do you do when two players have the opportunity to win and you are a third party... What is your role in that? And think about all the different contexts, because there's a million of them. There's one player is about to win, and the other one just needs a little bit of help to push ahead of them. You know, w- w- there's so many different topics of conversation in that, and we want to talk about all of them. So start throwing your anecdotes at us. Start throwing your opinions. We want to hear it all so that we can kind of bring everything to the table. It's gonna. I think it's the the first subject that we found in Twilight Imperium where we could have like a heated discussion Absolutely. about it, where yeah. it's like. Because it, I don't, it's very strange and it's very, it's very specific. I realize that, but like, 
I think people have a lot of different feelings on this yeah, idea. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, it really depends on the moment that it's happening. Too. Yeah. We were originally going to talk about that in this episode, but yeah, let's let's save it. Let's, let's save do it. something special with it. So, let's uh, let's jump over to Arata because guess what? Oh my what? god, we've got so much. We've I'm, got some Arata. Hey, can we please say sorry? I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry that we let the Arata get behind. You're about to hear Arata for um, four episodes. Let's start. What's the first one you're going to hear? House rules. So, we're going to talk about the house rules one we're going to do sardak nor we're going to do the dane beltrami interview or are we not going to do we that? are no we are so we're going to do dane beltrami interview and we're going to do barony from last week yep so yeah strap in here we go all right so how do we do this There's, like what is we just the gotta dive it's in. all we gotta, we're already wasting time we yeah. gotta go no uh-uh uh-uh uh-uh. Welcome, welcome to the Space Cats Peace Sorry, Turtles Arata. This is my moment. <laughs> this is my moment. You can't see me, but I'm dressed as a figure skater it's right now. Time to shine. And it is my time. The way the I'm bringing you in here. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a little lighthouse, and you're a sailboat, and you're just coming right into port. And you know what? Or is that how that lighthouse? Oh no, lighthouse worn that there's rocks what how do ships know where the where to park all right ronald sf from the twilight imperium this is house rules errata house rules errata here we go (laughs) and also the way i've organized this is we're going to do all the reddit ones and then all the bgg guild ones so first we're doing reddit ronald sf What's the question, Ronald? Do you think that the metagame can counter the effect of a strong or weak pie slice? Like, what if competitive opponents were to point out that someone has an advantage and negotiate borders to prevent that faction from getting too powerful? This is when discussing the competitive style of building the galaxy. If one person's got 12 resources and their neighbor has four, is there a way for the meta to balance against this? Um, I mean, I think so. That just sounds like kind of a demanding way to play. Yes. To basically sit down and be like, hey, so-and-so's got more money than me. They're rich and wealthy. And also, like, I think it might even be kind of hard to sell sometimes because if somebody's got more resources, they might be able to negotiate better at the table. I I feel like poor people in general are just poor people. This this is the problem. The conversation revolved around this topic is always... How do we stop the people who are getting the most? Mm-hmm. And that's not actually the problem. That's not why we started doing the cooperative build method. The cooperative build method was born out of too many times one player was completely screwed out of the game right. and didn't get to play for eight hours. And there's no way for them to bring themselves up. There's nothing they can offer other players to make their pie slice better. And they don't build enough units so they can't compete on the board state. You just run out of options when you're behind. Yes, you can attack the leader and everyone can agree to target them, but no one is going to build up the person in last place. It's generally, I remember the the problems, the problem uh, galaxies we would run into would be kind of split half and half. Yeah. So it wouldn't really be like, it wouldn't be like, oh, there's one rich player no. and then everybody else is poor. It would be like two or three rich, wealthy side right. of the galaxy. And they're and just going to trade s- together and get right. even more rich off Oh, and they're each totally other. cool with yeah, it. Exactly. Uh, and then now on the other side, you know, it's just like that part of town. You know, <laughs> like, you know, it's, you know, and it's like, what? Well, how come the city's not spending more money on, like, what's happening here? Like, redistribute what's the, the wealth. We d- redistribute the wealth and then Space Bernie Sanders comes in. Okay, so the next one's from Ottawa Pops. <laughs> Um, and Ottawa Pops actually had a, um, a whole comment that I kind of like shortened down. I love this um, though. They, yeah, they, 
basically illustrated their custom setup racial pick speaker selection in one method. It's an all-in-one method. Which right. Is kind of one of the things we were asking too. Something that balances everything off of each other. So this is Ottawa this Pop's is, contribution. Yeah, this is what they do. So they deal out all of the hexes and they take turns placing them to build the galaxy without knowing which position each player will have. Like how we do it. Um, it doesn't sound like they're doing it cooperatively necessarily. No, but it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's just without knowing starting so, position. So there's an, they, they have an ignorance of starting position means that all players are incentivized to create a reasonably balanced system cool they randomly sort the players one through six then player one gets to pick one of the following an open starting position an unselected race or the speaker token you repeat this step with players two through six player six then picks again serpentine order yeah serpentine order um repeat back up from player five all the way back to player one at the conclusion each player will have a race they want to play and a position within a pretty balanced system with no player feeling as if they were shortchanged right. by bad luck it's a good method it's, it's, it's wonderful the, and i want to try it really really badly yeah. um i love that it makes you it gives you the decision of which is more important to you you see the galaxy it's sitting right there mm-hmm. which is more important to you now that board position or that race you've been really wanting to play or the speaker token or like the speaker and throw, yeah throwing I would the speaker probably token pick first every time pretty much be like yeah. i want that token yeah that's great we love it you know what thank you ottawa pops. hey i would just want to say props to pops um <laughs> This one is from our BGG guild. Uh, it is from Grutar, uh, and Grutar was talking about faction choice, and uh, they had an interesting uh, idea. At the table, they give choice in, based on order of arrival. Uh, I so, love it. As far as factions, I so, love like, it. If you arrive first, you get to pick factions first. Yep. yep. And that yep. is that's a really as, good idea. As a host of TI. Uh, I, I am so in favor of this. I am so not. I'm so regularly the last like, yeah. person to arrive. Like, it, I would I would have picked last at almost every game I've played this year. Yeah, Like, yeah. every single one. Um, and that's all that we're doing for the House Rules Errata. We're going to transition to the Sardak Errata now. We're starting with Reddit TI. Um, up top, we got to mention, uh, Jada Paik actually gave us a mandatory errata oh, um, that he mentioned was for next week's episode which we didn't. Uh, we're we're which three we, weeks late. Yeah, Whatever. So this Sorry, is three Jada. weeks late. Here is and your mandatory. And this is this is per our contractual Patreon agreement. So I just I want to let you know that you too can do what Jada Paik is doing right now. Um, and he just wanted uh, us to say that although Sardak is a solid faction, the Yin Brotherhood faction is better in every aspect: gameplay, <laughs> abilities, and theme. Playing any faction except the Yin is a waste of nine hours. Really. What? Now it I'm hurts. just I'm just saying that we had to read that, and those are not our words. And Jada, grow up. <laughs> That's what I want to say. If every single, or were you going to do this every week? You're just going to have just us going to do this. He could. It would be funny if he just had the exact same sentence. We just have to with, say that. Although, you... like, we're going to do Muat next. Right. Although Muat is a solid faction, the <laughs> right. Brotherhood faction. Well, now you've just put that. If he didn't already have that idea, he does now. That would be so great too. And then Hunter. when we do the Yin Brotherhood, he could say, "Although the Yin Brotherhood is a solid Aha! faction, the Yin Brotherhood faction is better in every aspect." <laughs> All right. Next one is from Barney Lowe. Unless we have anything else to say about Jada, no, never. Silly we're done. It's goof. over. Oh, host, how funny, Jada! <laughs> you made us say a silly thing we don't agree with. <laughs> Um, this next one's from Barney Lowe. Um, question. Do you think that in terms of a transaction, you could stipulate that the promissory note is to be played immediately at the point it was received? Now, this is talking about the Sardak promissory note. Um, and I'm going to say no, that you can't. So um, no. if actually we're doing that thing again where we're like just 
rapping and not even <laughs> letting people know what is being talked about. So the Sardagnor uh, promissory note is the one that gives someone else a plus, plus one, one to their ground combat, um, their infantry, sorry, during ground combat. Um, and I don't think that this works within the way that the rules are understood. You can't give someone a promissory note and stipulate when they play it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you that could, could be a non-binding deal, right. but it cannot be a binding deal. You know what? So here's, here's the goofy thing you could do. Faith. You could trade it to them and then say, I will pay you a trade good if you play right. it now. That is a that's binding a deal. Yeah. But that's technically two deals with one player in one turn. Uh, so it has to be, be spaced out. Yeah. So you would have to give the promissory note to them and then on in a later position pay them to play it whenever you right. want. It's yeah, it, essentially what you're what you're saying uh, would not work. But Barney Lowe, I do want to say this. I think when people need your promissory note, they need it badly. Yes. And I think they will more than They'll likely They'll still take you up on it. it. Yeah. yeah. Like ground combat is like one of the most like i think i said this in the episode but ground combat is like where you see more upsets right. than any other type of combat in twilight imperium and so i think that's what you got to remind people yeah. of with that promissory note and god and i love impet- talking about that promissory the impetus note. is on you though because they're going to forget you even have it honestly right. like right. I, me as a non-sardak player i will forget that you have it but if you jump in like hey you want a plus one right oh yeah Th- thank sell you it. i'll do it sell yeah. it be a salesman yeah. be a salesman the next errata is from schnooker um and this is actually a really interesting thing that Schnooker brought up that we um, missed. It's almost like I don't even believe that we missed it because it's just kind of like, wow. <laughs> so obvious. Yeah. There's so- a lot of times where we mention the idea of something and don't get into the specifics. So it's worth bringing up this specific interaction. Yeah. So here is us doing that. And thank you, Schnooker, for bringing it here. Um, so basically, when it comes to counters uh, and... Sardak is that Sardak is actually one of the few late game counters to the Barony fleet. Um, if Barony has Duranium plus non Euclidean, aka Nintendo Entertainment System, <laughs> uh, Sardak can use Exotrium 2 to completely bypass the scary tech combo. Exotrium 2 is the upgraded Sardak dreadnoughts where they can blow them up and destroy two yep. units and you choose a target. Right. Um, now that I say it out loud though, this is kind of this is a trade for trade. This is like a, yeah. I destroy my stuff and destroy your stuff. Well, there. you're destroying one dreadnought for two dreadnoughts or a dreadnought and a flagship. Right, but I'm going to assume in most cases that Barony has a bigger fleet than you as Sardak. Probably. I think now that I've said all this out loud, that I think that's why we did not bring it up in the counter section. It seems like a. It's Actually, a good thing now to do. I remember talking about it. Oh yeah, and what we ended up saying was like a, it's like a, they're button heads. They're button heads. They're like they're, it's almost like a draw at that point. Right. Um, but still uh, worth pointing out. Look for opportunities yeah. where it's you got one dreadnought and they got two things that you can strike out and. And Schnooker does say that it's mostly that a Barony player is heavily discouraged to send their expensive fleets near your systems, and I think that That's holds the true. factor. Yeah. So anytime you come to a to an interaction like that where it's like, oh, if these two races interact, it's not so good then you can kind of rely on the idea that, like, oh, well, so-and-so is not going to mess yeah. with me because it's not a good combo. Right. Um, Isaro Rock has some errata. Um, oh, actually, I really like this one. Uh, Isaro Rock says that double-docking your home system as Sardak Noor seems an absolute essential to me if you're playing it. 
Um, it's command counter efficient to double dock as soon as possible, and it vastly increases the number of fighters you'll have on the board without making you vulnerable to reactor meltdowns. I'm also a big fan of getting Space Dock 2 with them. If you've got that yellow tech planet, because like you said, you want lots of T-Pers. Yeah. T-pers. I don't know if Space Dock 2 is necessary, but I but love... double dock. In general, I also just want to say that double docking is just a really good turn yeah, of frame. That's why Hunter always loves two planets and it's because he only wants to say the words double dock double dock it's all that i want to say um and uh eric slusser also pointed out um and this actually was part of a bgg guild comment um that a sardak nor double docked home system has eight production that's higher than everybody except for letnev and hakan but hakan needs three docks um also sar and arborek um yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. You have a lot of production with them, and you should utilize it. Yeah. Eric, I think I think it comes down to, like, you got to have the money to... Again, it's like everything with Sardak Noir is, like, you need everything. you got to buy a lot. So even having that amount of production, it's like, well, yeah, that's a lot of units yeah. that you got to be building to yeah. make that cost effective. Um, Eric Slusser also had some other... Um, points. Points. One of them is a point we get a lot, and I think it's worth just saying, like... Yes, this is always an option to pretty much any strategy we suggest, which is probably why we don't suggest it that often, which is a a fault of our own, not saying it's wrong, but um, the idea is consider taking politics as your first round pick to get technology round two. That can give you three techs in the first two rounds. It will be a lot easier to have the spare six resources for one technology on the second round rather than the first round. Um, in general, people love to say, take politics so that you get whatever you want round two, and then you can make any strategy work, and politics isn't always picked up round one very, you know, that's usually like the fourth or fifth thing available to you. I honestly think politics should probably get picked every round by somebody. Right. You know, like somebody If, you, if you're should picking be... last and politics right. is available, that's what you should take almost yeah, always. I think the only reason we don't bring it up as often as we should when it comes to first round picking uh, strategies is that it's just kind of across the board just always a factor right that we are trying to outline like what the real goal is mm-hmm. and so yes the politics play is always in it and we should include it but what we're trying to get at is the more generalized like but what's the end goal why are you taking politics to get the thing round two or whatever we're, we're trying to push what the first round strategy is and every single strategy guide saying take politics so that round two you can get this well now it's not a first round strategy i also feel like the way um the way that i went with the episode was more in trying to fix things in general for sardak nor instead of just being like let's just catch up on tech and this is a very good play if you really want to focus on catching up on tech i don't know it might be good if like the first objective is one of the tech ones and you're like wow this is gonna be hard yeah so that's kind of it for the sardak nor errata we've got what we got next we got interviews interview this one's really easy there's not really any errata on our interview but there's some fun things to um, bring up so rocket lewis from the twilight imperium subreddit said that we missed a great opportunity to get some correct pronunciations from the developer in particular some of those flagships that hunter likes to butcher oh man Uh, do i (laughs) i am uh, i will point out even just this last uh Arata thing, he liked to mispronounce exotrireme, the Sardak Nors. What did I call it? Exotrium? You said like extreme. Yeah, I don't even I know. I want it to be like a New Orleans thing, <laughs> yeah. like an exotrium. 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 It's a French. Yeah. It's French, but it's not Namor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
<laughs> You're absolutely right, Rocket Lucas. Uh, Hunter needs to work on getting rid of his horrible you know southern accent. You know what? No, Rocket Lucas. <laughs> no. How about that? How about I just say no? How about I say that I will mispronounce all of it forever? It's all made up anyways. There can't be correct pronunciation to something that was just made up in Christian T. Peterson said. <laughs> That's all the only place There's it nothing really Nothing we exists. can do. No. The next one is from D. Jebson from Board Game Geek. Uh, it would be great if you continue to do interviews in future episodes. It could be a recurring thing. This, of course, assumes that he or whoever else uh, has the time and willingness to do so. I only wanted to bring this up because Hunter and I really loved doing that interview. Oh, yeah. And loved putting it together and before and after. And we will absolutely do everything in our power to do more episodes like that. Obviously, no promises because it's contingent on what... Fantasy Flight as a company allows their employees to do and who are able to get a hold of and scheduling, but we're so into doing that and we want to bring you guys more of that kind of content. I loved it because there were two people talking serious talk about Twilight Imperium and I was just free <laughs> to be the comic relief that this podcast really needs. If you hear when I'm being serious for a long time and I don't do any jokes, that's I do that I mean that is a real sacrifice that I'm making for you. I am a martyr. I am a martyr we for this thank podcast. You for your service. Oh, you should. And I want personal thank yous from everybody this week. <laughs> All right, we got one more errata, and then yeah, we're out of geez, here. All right, God. this oh. now we're getting into Barony Aletnev. Last week, we're almost caught up. This is like normal. It's like now it's like, like a, a normal, normal episode. episode. All right, Jesus. So on Reddit Twilight Imperium, Bjarkov said, I find that Letnevs should often find themselves ahead in the mid-game. Empirically, that's not a good thing. This is a part agree. of a larger combat co- comment, but yeah, absolutely agree. The problem with Barony is you have a really great start, which means a lot of times you can get ahead, and then because you're the scary force that is kind of primarily good at combat, it's hard to continue that lead. So despite us saying like you need to take your advantages and run with them, there is a really difficult catch-22 there in that you need to find a way to stave off the assault of all the other players. Uh, it's not easy. It's not easy to play Barony. That's kind of the gist of it is they lose a lot because these are some of their pitfalls. These are their problems. Yeah, but it just depends. You got to pick the, you could be the best friends of Letnev. Or, if you're just the best friends Or of did we have, there was one that was like the chefs of Letnev? Yeah, that? there was the or, chefs of Letnev and there was the the home entertainment installers <laughs> of Letnev. And Letnev the cable guy. <laughs> uh, Sheebnuts says... Don't you think that spending six resources to get two techs round one is too costly, and perhaps you should spend those six resources on round one on bolstering your fleet and your borders for rounds two and three? You can then set yourself up for a better round two to play technology by taking assembly round one, or politics. Uh, I agree it's not ideal, but in my experience, technology is one of the first pick strategy cards, and if you don't get tech round one, I think you can still be a scientist of Letnev rounds two and three. I partially agree, uh, absolutely with, I mean, if tech gets taken before you, you got to find a new way to do it. Politics is the best way. But I will say this much. When we are, are talking about the scientists of Letnev, we're talking about going hard into technology. And that's why we say get two techs round one. And it's because you see one tech already on the public objectives and you've already got a tech objective as one of your secret objectives. Um, we suggest scientists of Letnev in very few scenarios. And it's when you want to really go all out tech. Because all of the other versions of Letnev suggest getting at least a little bit of tech. Um, and and you can still do a follow-up round two of doubling up on tech with most of any of the versions of Letnev. The scientists are the ones, for me, that I really am going gung-ho for tech. But, like you say, if tech's not an option, 
get politics, prepare to go tech crazy round two. I mean, I think if you sit down and you're feeling that way, like, oh, spending six resources to get two techs round one is too costly, then you're probably not playing a game where that should be. No, exactly. You You should be doing the best friends of Letnev or something different. There's ones that still go somewhat tech heavy, but the scientists of Letnev, at least for me, are very much just like, that's what I'm doing. And I think that's kind of like kind of how we structured the whole episode was like, if you do this, then here's kind of how you could make that work. Right. It's not necessarily saying, I don't know, we really built that episode very differently. And I would... like, almost when I read the comment, I was like, wait, did we say that? Because at the time, I was almost like, oh, I thought we just said you could. Right. Uh, but then I remembered that we had a whole part of the yep. episode where we talked about that. Doing and then, that. you know, and then we did the lawyers and uh, the and homemakers. And passed out for a while. Yeah, and then I, I the ghost of Letnev, that's a good one. That's where the Letnev start with all the ghost's abilities oh, plus their abilities. That's really good. That's pretty cool. Uh, Choclax says, as we all know. <laughs> I love to just interrupt time. Um, as no, we, no, no, no. Uh, that's not what I was laughing. That's a great name. Chocolax. love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, this Choclax. is This is... Choclax had um, some really, really well um, stated criticisms of some of our um, strategies. And here she ended it on this point. And I just wanted to drive this home because this mm. is everything to me. As we all know, once the game is on... It's on, and every other player out there is constantly evolving and recalibrating his or her strategy to cope with the stuff that the other people are doing. It's all in the mix. The ideal vanilla strategic flow is never going to happen, but it's always nice to know it and try to shape the game as good around it as possible. This is like, write it in the sky. This is the point of our first round strategy, mm-hmm. guys. It is we, we try to not explicitly tell you exactly what is required for you to do, but instead to set up the goals and things you should be looking out for for you to be able to do. But yes, at the end of the day, every single one of these strategies is about setting up big goals, but everything's going to change and be prepared for them to change. Here's something like very real that I actually want to say right now um, that's just like, this is just kind of a general life thing uh, about taking advice in general. Um, I think uh, when I started doing stand-up comedy, the thing about doing stand-up is uh, that you just meet lots of people that tell you how stand-up is and what you should do and what works for them and what makes sense. And it can kind of drive you insane when you're starting out. And the thing I learned from all that is that when it comes to someone giving you advice, Take what you like yeah. that's, that w- sounds like it works for you. And that stuff that you don't like, don't just don't use just it. Don't yeah. use it. When, like, you, when you guys disagree with our points, like 100% of the time, while I'll try to offer up disagreements, at the end of the day, I'll go, but it depends on your game. Right. If, like, if, if it doesn't work in your game, don't do it. Absolutely. You know, you should never do something we said specifically to do if the game is literally, if your gut feeling is yeah. like, oh, I don't think that would work this time. Trust like, your instincts. Yeah, trust your instincts, Padawan. <laughs> Ooh, that was condescending now. But <laughs> no. it wasn't, I mean, aren't we? We're Jedi Masters. We're Jedi and you're Masters. Our, our little Padawan learners. Yes, Even if we you're are the adult, experts of Twilight Imperium you are, here to disseminate You are a little child. You are a child and you are laying in your egg and you are taking our. Um, Strongkowski <laughs> says a point about the promissory note that we missed. Uh, you can also use it to fund wars against your enemy. Um, I'm going to interrupt him or her to say. I feel like this is what always kind of gets brought up with promissory notes. And so I'm always like, well, yeah, of course you could use promissory notes to like earn money or whatever, fund war efforts. But they follow it up with this really awesome finisher for this point. In our last game, my two Sarballs were wiped off the board without a a single shot. (laughs) (laughs) 
without a single shot from Letnev because Barony managed to trade their promissory note to three other players in a row. He didn't have to lose any trade goods either, as they were all spent before he started funding my extermination. So he just kept trading his promissory note. Here, you get the promissory note. Now you get to do a bunch of rerolls, and I get it back. And then the next person who wants to attack you gets to do a bunch of rerolls. And you four people at the board just got Barony's ability to do it. Three people with the promissory note and Barony themselves. That's a huge play. And yeah, yeah fund some more efforts. Make this this is the Barony are really good at setting other people up to being able to stop the person in the lead. And honestly, I want to say too, I don't think we're very good at promissory notes. No, we're bad. So we were bad. Every, at that. every like, single week, we get advice of like, you should be using promissory notes this every way. Every single week, someone points out a way to use it. Uh, the promissory note we just talked about, we were like, oh, we don't think it's very good. And someone always points out some way to use it. And I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> How did we not see that? I don't yeah. know what our problem is. We're just with too. Notes. We're just. We hold them too close. We 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 are afraid of promissory notes. We're afraid of giving up power. Yeah. It's the same reason we don't like trading VPs for VPs. We don't like giving anyone anything. So uh, let's move on. From our Board Game Geek Guild, Worm for Life gave us, I've always considered the Nintendo Entertainment System Duranium combo to be a trap with the Letnev. Best results I've seen for Letnev is pretending that non-Euclidean shielding doesn't exist and that your only bonus is your home system and armada. Focus on Cruiser 2 and have large, flexible cruiser fleets that can strike anywhere. You can get away with not having the flagship if you have the reach to invade planets without a PDS. If you really, really, really want to go big ships, then go flagship and Dreadnought 2, but still ignore NES and Duranium. And Federico on our Facebook had a similar note, and I just want to follow it up. Having Duranium armor and Nintendo Entertainment System sure sounds nice, but how many space battles will last the three-plus rounds it takes to truly kick in? Especially when Munition Reserves is an option and the new rules on retreat it's the stress on duranium being essential that sort of perplexed me and i agree so to say federico's point first um non-euclidean shielding is sort of the priority over duranium armor right because i think we just kind of messed up in the episode not actually giving the alternatives because yeah 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 yeah. we talked so much about like you're gonna get those but Mm -hmm. it's like no there there actually are some reasons to not to get those if you're only gonna get one of them non-euclidean shielding yeah and it is worth noting that there's an alternative, and we, we brought up with... Best Friends of Letnev. Best Friends of Letnev of having just lots of big fleets of cheaper units. Well, if that's your strategy, of course don't go for non-Euclidean shielding. Go for that Cruiser 2. That's the one really good reason we got this week of why to go for green tech. Yeah. Get a green tech, get Cruiser 2, and just lay cruisers all over the map. I actually like both of their points quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, to the to the extent where I'm I'm willing to say like you guys are radicals, and I want to I, and I want your first round strategy guide for Baronet Lineup. Yeah. I think really what we discovered in making the episode was like this is a race that people have long regarded as like oh we know what they're about, right. but like the closer we get to it, the more it feels like maybe that's not what they're about. <laughs> like maybe There's, well maybe they could be about a lot of different. It comes things. down to so many races can work contrary to their whole theme. And work well. Yeah. Barony is one of those. Barony can do... I mean, it's not really contrary to anything, but they don't need to have big capital ships. They can just have big, big, big fleets yeah. and do a lot with those. And I, I think really that's a really great I really actually like the, the Cruiser 2 comment. Yeah. I, and that's not... I know for a fact we didn't talk about getting Cruiser 2 at any point. Right. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. Could, that, that's cool. I, I like it. that. 
Guys, check out the Twitter. It's happening. Uh, that's at Space Cats Pod. <laughs> Guys, get on Facebook. You know, get on, sign on to Comcast or, you know, whatever your internet service uh-huh. provider is, Google, whatever it is. Whatever you get is. into Google, you Google our Facebook. Um, it's uh, that's Facebook is just Space Cats. You, every Turtles. time you make this take so long. Email, you're going to want to go to SpaceCatsPeaceTurtles at gmail.com. And you can send us on our email. We prefer to have this Imperium Life yes. stories. We prefer plays of the week. This is the best the place email. for me to keep them organized. It's the best place. I would say if you send it to us any other way, there's just no guarantee it's going to make it. And we just right. prefer it in email. Email, it's, it's guaranteed going to be like in our list of ones we look at. Now, that being said, our preferred place for... Um, Errata and just kind of general criticism. Part of the discussions. Reddit and Board Game Geek. Um, yeah. Our Board Game Geek Guild. Uh, Reddit especially is probably the easiest one for everybody to get into. Uh, we have that Board Game Geek Guild link in the uh, all of the announcements. Stuff. We have uh, a Discord. And honestly, it's been going really well. I, really I like love our the Discord. Discord. It's really please good. join us on the Discord. There are so many awesome conversations going on there. Uh, if you are one of our patrons on Patreon, make sure you link your Discord account to... Uh, your Patreon account, because that is what allows you access to our Galactic Council. This whole episode was decided by our Galactic Council, and that was mainly done through our Discord. That's, that's where we talked about what episodes we thought were good ideas, and then we put out a straw poll, and this is the episode that got decided on. Do you want to, for the, for the thank yous this episode, do you want to just thank the entire Galactic Council? I want to thank the entire Galactic Council. Yeah, let's do um, it. We, we normally don't read credits of these people, but... But this week, let's run through the list of them. What do you say? Just yeah, let's do, let's do first it. names. I really want to thank Christopher, Andrew, Samantha, Kevin, Shane, uh, Renee, Hero, Leon, Eric, James, Eric, two Erics, really close together. Chris, <laughs> Joseph, Alexander, Stuart, Laura. Hey, Laura. Hey, Laura. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> uh, Thom, Frederick, William, Ooh, Norman, everybody. Nicholas. John C. Myers, Sam Johnson, nope. Jesper Perth. <laughs> You're going crazy. Uh, Chisel, Chris, Chris O'Sullivan, and, and John Pake. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you all. Thank you so much. Thank you, the council. What thank a you. what a wonderful what thank thank you for this gift of telling us what to do. <laughs> and thank you for bailing us out. I've had a really ridiculous schedule and was not gonna oh, have yeah, guys. time to to do another episode. Let me just I... let you know this has been hard lately. <laughs> uh, so you guys bailed us out and gave us kind of a lighter episode, even though this has been so long. Oh my gosh. But anyways, thank you. And we will we'll see you next week. Hunter. Let's get that play of the week. Get us out of here. Unaligned Magi sends in this play of the week. Um, this one, I want to say, I've been banking this phone for a while because Unaligned Magi sent us two in a row, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to give him two back to back. But this one is so they were both bangers. good. Yeah, so I had to bring it back up. So Unaligned Magi, about- keep them coming. Okay, our extra player goes from last to almost first rather quickly, up to eleven points in a fourteen point game. He has the speaker token, so we know he will take Imperial. The strange thing is. He shifts all of his command tokens to strategy, save for one in fleet supply. Instantly, his fleets evaporate down to one ship. He then proceeds to quash laws over and over until he finds one he can get a point on, then uses two political secrets to guarantee he gets the point. In the last round, we can't stop him due to nullification field and the single ship fleets he has, and he wins with Imperial. Wow. 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 That's like play of the year to me. That is the <laughs> coolest extra play I've ever heard of in my life. Oh my God. 
Can I play with him? Yep. Can I play with him? Come to Portland, we'll play with you. I want to play with that guy. Hey, guy, I want to play with you. <laughs> hey! 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 Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.